You're listening to the She Lift Project podcast, a show dedicated to helping women achieve higher levels of success in the workplace. No matter where you are in your career, we want to help you grow. Now here's your host, Cynthia Kirkpatrick, a CPA, CFP, and Senior Financial Advisor at Mineta Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the She Lift Project podcast. I'm Cynthia Kirkpatrick. Thanks for being here today with Heather Kreider. So grateful to have you with us today. Super excited to be here. Uh, it's funny, we've met a couple times throughout the years, but this last time was, and I think it was with my husband too, really coming to fruition of we were releasing another podcast, you had a, a guest recommendation and you and I met and just, I felt like hit it off and I thought there's so much here that she is already sharing with the world, but maybe could share through the podcast. You're a keynote speaker, and I, I, at some point I wanna to get to what this really means, certified neuroperformance coach, uh, leading expert, high performance growth, and thought transformation. And you really get out there to empower and unleash for business professionals, and probably anybody really, anybody could be listening to this and learn something, the breakthroughs by thinking about it through the brain and how the brain works. And something else we had here, you unlock unstoppable performance, boundless energy, we could all use that more, and deeper human connections. Yeah, that's a lot. It is a lot. It it sounds so official. I feel like I'm waiting for you to get the, the white lab coat on with the uh, you know little folder of all the credentials that's that you right have. well and it's a it's a fancy way of saying i just help people think differently and better that's the simplest way to put that <laughs> is that when when we think of neuro performance because there's some people who could coach right but mm -hmm. neuro performance coaching seems like a totally different arena what 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 makes that different or is it different yeah so it really is different because what it comes down to is how how our thoughts, our habits, our patterns are formed in our brain through our experiences. So for me, everything does come back to the brain and it's evidence-based brain science. So it's not, I mean, there's a lot of great theories and wonderful coaches, but we have to understand what really works. We are busy people and we want something that works very quickly. So, and I learned this the hard way and I'm happy to talk about that later, but essentially, when we can rewire the way we think it's kind of this is how i explain it to all my clients and i'll just go straight to the analogy when you're walking through the forest through a forest through woods you want to go down a path you want to try to find a paved path but then say you want to go a shortcut and that path has full of weeds and thorns and bushes it's gonna hurt to go down that but you think about your pathways in your brain. The more you do things, the more you create a comfortable, easy path to walk down. If you want change and you wanna do things differently, your brain doesn't want to do that. Your brain gets used to familiar, right or wrong, good or bad. It doesn't matter if it serves your goal. If it's for survival, your brain is gonna remember that path. So that's why I take everything back to the brain because especially with high performers, we want results. We, we have lots of goals and we have lots of things that our brain's trying to do. But anytime you make change, that's when you have to create a new path. So the brain is trained and designed for survival. 
to avoid pain and to seek pleasure. That's it. So we have to work with it and we have to understand our patterns. We have to understand those paths, quite literally the neural pathways in our brain. I think I've, I've listened to a lot of books and they talk about that that's from early days of man, right? That it made sense to want to stay away from pain, fire, you know, mm -hmm. bringing it way back. And that yes, while we evolved and our brains have evolved, there's still that, that ego, um, whatever type of brain, the frog brain, whatever that they call it to say, avoid that avoid that danger mm -hmm. and sounds like our natural instinct is to stay there absolutely so one of the things i talk about in my speeches and in coaching too is what i call the stress loop so what you just said we teach our brains because the evolution our brains haven't completely caught up to our fast-paced modern society so we've taught our brains that anytime we stub our toe and all the chemicals that come through that pain our brain sometimes can't distinguish between is that really a tiger coming to kill us or is that just a little toe stub or a thought that triggers that same type of neurological response and so think about when you're, again, let's go back to the woods. You're walking in the woods and you hear this rustling and your brain can't see it. Your eyes can't trigger your brain to understand, but you hear this rustling. Your brain immediately goes, uh-oh, there's danger. So your fight or flight starts to kick in. You might get a little sweaty. You might feel your pulse, your heart rate go up and your brain's like i need to be on high alert because something is getting ready to jump out of the woods and eat me and then you're walking along it's just a squirrel <laughs> and then so you're like oh it's just a squirrel it's fine but that's what happens and that's what we train to get on that stress loop so much that every little thing stresses our brain out it's not you it's not your fault it's your brain that's how it's designed so the untraining is trying to teach a bigger space to collect the information to decide then is this something i really need to be worried about is this something i really need for my survival no it's not it's just a squirrel but think about that with every email every text message every new thing that is added to our plate it starts adding up this is why burnout and stress is such a big issue in our society is because we've trained over trained ourselves to stress at every little thing your brain's designed to do that but now it doesn't understand is this really something i need to hold on to for true survival or is everything an overreaction most things are overreactions yeah <laughs> I feel the guilt <laughs> coming on because <laughs> yeah. I think you know as you mentioned the world has changed so fast in the last 10 to 15 years you know dating myself my kids can't understand that we just didn't have a phone our businesses our clients they couldn't yeah. when you closed up for the day you were gone you were done things were shut off if people wanted to call you they had to get on the rotary phone whatever it might be and make an effort whereas now that's so easy to send messages you know no matter what state of emotion or mm -hmm. situation that awareness that we're in that could cause harm or concern mm -hmm. so sometimes even just that trigger of there's another phone call there's mm -hmm. another text oh my gosh like that can be overwhelming and it's only been around the last five to ten years absolutely we're an instantaneous society 
I mean, what's the first thing most people do when they wake up? Grab their cell phone, immediately start looking at all the things that they miss during the precious time that they should be sleeping. And so what you do then is you throw all of that information on your brain before your brain has even had a chance to wake up. That's why morning rituals are really crucial. And there's a lot of stigma with the 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 five the five a.m. club and you know all these different type of morning rituals. You do what works for you. First of all, I never say this is the ritual you have to follow, but you have to understand how to use your ritual to put yourself give yourself the be best chance for success during that day. What's your goal? Is your goal to be overwhelmed and stressed all day? Or is your goal to be relaxed, to be productive, to be focused, to fuel your brain so you can have energy, so you can tackle things very quickly, promptly, and effectively. So what you put in your mind, the first thing when you wake up, not just what you eat, but it's what you see, it's what you think, those habits and patterns add up. So yes, to your point, we're flooded with information. It's overwhelming. And it really takes a lot of training. Now conscious decisions of saying no, this is this is going to be my routine, because that's what my brain needs to set myself up for the best success possible. So redirecting the energy of worrying and overwhelm to the focus, what do I need to what kind of day do I want? more energy there and it's maybe just shifting that energy and focusing it in the right way to be more efficient and better performance yeah absolutely and it's you know everything's muscle memory too the reason that our brains are so efficient and can multi multitask is a myth so i want to be careful <laughs> how i say that but our brain our subconscious brain keeps every bit of information possible you may not ever remember it consciously, but the subconscious brain holds on to everything. So it's it's just like what you eat. If you eat a giant greasy hamburger and fries, which sounds delicious, how are you gonna feel after? That's It's the same type of thing. The information you put in, what you think, what you read, what you watch, our brains are designed, there's a neurons in our brain called mirror neurons and empathetic people more more so really have the full effect of mirror neurons and so the best example and there's a reason i'm telling you this when you're watching a movie if you're an empathetic type of person you can really get into that movie and you uh, you kind of feel like oh my gosh i'm there your brain doesn't know it's not you your brain does think that you're going through that. That's why sometimes you can get so scared or so emotional because your brain's actually going through that journey. So that's why it's very important to guard what you're actually putting in your brain. If you're reading very, very dramatic, uh, heartfelt, difficult, challenging news, <laughs> just read the news and you get stressed out. That's why. And uh, healthcare service oriented professions, that's why burnout's so much higher too, because of the deep emotions. And so people with a lack of training have a much more difficult time separating those mirror neurons and really separating reality 
a true reality versus what's happening to you. So again, the point to all of that is what you put in your mind is crucial. And so starting the day, really framing what are my goals? And, you know, there's so many things to really layer here, but we'll just keep it simple. Watch what what you put in your brain. (laughs) Yeah, what, what would you, when you coach people or give ideas when you're doing keynote speaker, what are some ways or an idea, an example of a morning routine? That depends on the person. Because <laughs> so I really don't believe in this is like the perfect routine. Because people do have different priorities, different responsibilities, different goals. But having a morning meditation as early in the morning as possible is really important. It calms the brain, it relaxes the brain, and it starts training. It's kind of like running a marathon. You're not going to go out tomorrow and run a marathon if you haven't been training for quite some time. So the the small things, and we're not talking 30, 40-minute meditations. It can be a three-minute meditation. Lots of water in the morning. A quick meditation. Something that you can positively frame your brain in a way to attach to healthy habits versus going immediately into the woulda, shoulda, coulda's, the doom and gloom. Because once your brain, once your mind starts taking over and thinking in certain habits and patterns, it's very difficult to come back. And then your emotional state is compromised. So it's all about putting yourself back in the emotional state that you want to be. It's not about, I think there's a false um, reality for people sometimes. They think that super gregarious, happy people are that way 100% of the time. It's a choice. It's a decision. And it's an emotional state. And this is high performers who really get it, understand how to process emotions that's why emotional intelligence is crucial, self-management, self-awareness. So I try to teach what I call micro tools, micro skills, nano nuggets, if you will, because to untrain years and years and years of creating these deep pathways in our brain, it takes time. So the little things we can do each day is really, really going to help. So small meditations, and I teach people things throughout the day that can really help as well reframe. It's understanding your triggers. It's understanding when an emotional state hits you. It's understanding how to process disappointment, how to process stress. So it's not a one size fits all. But again, to your question, (laughs) your morning routine, it's all about really supporting and understanding brain health too. That's why nutrition is really important. Sleep is really important, but feeding your mind's really important. But it, it, in the industry that I'm in, and, and you will get into your history too, because you've done almost everything that I've done uh, yeah. and beyond, accounting, wealth management. You know, yeah. it focuses so much on the technical skill yeah. of knowing a tax return, knowing this, this, or that. But so much of what you talked about there was nothing to do with the technical. It was staying into the, what is becoming uh, smarter from the emotional side. And that's where the energy drain may be. But we focus so much through high school, college certifications on the technical Mm -hmm. side when a lot more time and energy 
should be focused mm-hmm. on managing the emotional 100 i mean think about just think about playground behavior you know when your brain learns primarily from the ages of two to eight that's when those deep foundation trenches are built the subconscious programming really comes there so that those biological we 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 definitely have biological differences in male and female brains but in society the way that we're taught how to work through those social skills those emotional skills we get try it, it gets reduced into boxes through i'll just say education i don't want to get on a soapbox with that but we we try to have a one-size-fits-all way of learning and teaching and it doesn't work that way so we we get taught out of creative problem solving we get taught out of emotional intelligence we get taught out of really truly adapting these soft skills because it's all about grades it's all about the technical components it's all about being behavior which is nice and neat and polite so yes the emotional intelligence meaning we're human beings with real emotions everything every decision we make actually gets triggered from an emotional response and to shut that off and operate as a robot is detrimental to that's why we're so stressed and overwhelmed we don't know how to really deal with our emotions and process them so yes the technical part our brains just get exhausted because it's like can we just feel for a second (laughs) yeah Yeah, we're, we're wasting the energy of time of always being something else versus being allowed to yeah. be ourselves and bring ourselves into the table. So I think of, you know, actors, actresses, whatever. I'm sure it's a tiring thing to always be, no, wait, that's I need to be this person. Whereas if you could learn those other skills and be yourself, that's going to complement the technical side. Absolutely, it's going to complement. And it's also learning how to think creatively and balance the the whole right ba- right left brain thing it's a little bit of a myth because you don't think only with one part of the brain there are networks within the brain that interact with other networks but you have a whole entire brain and so what happens again if i just go to the gym and i only do biceps and i never ever work any other muscle my biceps are probably going to be pretty nice but nothing else is going to be so if you don't have an opportunity to exercise those other muscles in your brain you are going to strengthen maybe a technical component but the whole brain has to work together which is another reason it gets so stressed out because it needs that balance and it needs to be able to connect to other networks and from the emotional perspective that fight or flight that we have comes from the emotional network and so to think that we only are technical and to shut off our emotions is so false everything comes from that emotional network and so it's just it's again it's about really understanding and fostering the ability to work with the creativity parts of the brain work with the technical parts really to understand hey i'm a whole person here but we're we are trained not to really think about the emotional side because that's part of our society is we're doers instead of feelers which is it's 
the opposite perspective of how humans operate. So a lot of what what I find fascinating and thinking, how did she get all of this knowledge and get to where she's is today, especially knowing your background? I mean, how did this come about? How did you how did this part of your career shift happen? How did I go from a accountant <laughs> to a financial advisor um, to studying neuroscience and neuroperformance? It's a journey and the short answer is life. Life brought me here. And that's why I can relate to everything you're asking because I was trained all of those ways as well. And trained as an accountant, trained as a financial advisor, you are trained to look at very technical components. But for me, life is what actually brought me here. And when I finally was able to see it, that's when I knew I had to share what I learned with the world. And I went through what I call several significant emotional experiences. We all have them. They're different. Everybody has different versions. Some are way more severe than others, but it, it doesn't make what happens to each individual, the impact any different or less. It's just different. And so, but for me, I've gone through several big chunks, what I call significant emotional experiences. And specifically about 13 years ago, I lost my only sibling. Uh, my son was born with some minor, thank goodness, health problems. He's a very, uh, I almost said happy 15-year-old boy, but he's a 15-year-old boy. Happy is not a, <laughs> not a word. It's in the eye it's, of the beholder. Yeah, it's not a word right now. But at that time in my life, I was a very busy professional. That's when I owned my wealth management company. I went through a divorce, then I lost my grandmother, then I lost my grandfather. And those two people were the people who were instrumental in raising me. If it weren't for them, I would not be where I am today. And going through all of those life transitions in a very short amount of time, in a time span of about two and a half years, that was a lot. I found myself in a new town with two small children trying to regrow my business, be a leader, be a advisor, be a team leader, to be a mother, be all of these things. I needed to understand my own emotions. I saw myself on a path at that time where I was really worried. I was worried that if I didn't get a handle of my emotions and process all of this to understand these very big life events and to learn how to work through them, I don't know what would have happened to me. I was so stressed, I was so burned out. I was going through the motions just because I had to. And I was very, very fortunate to meet a neuroscience expert and someone who created programs, brain retraining programs, because of his own journey. And he saw the impact that people really needed to understand. And I just became a student. I went through those trainings and those programs for me. 
I knew I needed to understand emotions. The technical side, the technical training that I had is what gave me that curiosity. I needed to understand. And so what I found was just understanding the brain a little bit, just understanding emotions a little bit and what we're missing, all the things that you just mentioned. We're, we don't get taught how to think. We get taught how to do and how to repeat things. Once I understood, I am a human. I do have emotions. And let me back up slightly. I grew up with probably three core emotions. I knew anger, I knew sadness, and I knew violence. Those were the emotions that I grew up witnessing and observing. So I developed a lot of shields around my own emotions just for pure survival and protection. That's not uncommon either. But I was so scared to ever admit any of my true feelings because I learned that if you talk about how you feel, then you're vulnerable. And so when and that you was bad. That vulnerable was, is bad. Vulnerable is bad. And we're we're very often taught that. And again, from an evolution perspective, what does that mean in the wild? Vulnerability can be a life or death situation. 99.9% of the time in our modern world, vulnerable is just lowering your shield and allowing your true self, what you're actually thinking or feeling to be shown. And I learned not to do that because for me, for survival was just staying out of the way, not really having emotions and just kind of blending in just to survive. And so I learned all of these things later in life because I just learned habits and patterns just to get by. Those served me well as a young corporate employee. And then I realized it was burning me out. I realized that I, that's, that's why I started with my experience, what I went through about 13 years ago, because my brain just had enough. I was so exhausted. I don't know what would have happened to me. So I learned as much as I could. And then I realized I have to share this. I have to share with my clients. I have to share with my colleagues. I have to share with anyone who will listen. And for me, it just came a transition. I've always loved personal development. I've always been fascinated by people. And as you know, being in the financial world, you're really already an advisor. You're really already a life coach in so many ways. So this is another component of really being a leader and helping coach people. So that's how I developed. And then I just got certifications and started learning more and more and more. As you mentioned, I, sometimes I forget about it. Yeah, a lot of our job is a therapist and psychology uh, in that relationship side. So it does seem a little bit more natural of a leap mm -hmm. than I often forget about mm -hmm. what we do. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. When people trust you with their money, they'll start telling you everything because that's a talk about vulnerability. There's nothing really more vulnerable than someone's finances and their financial goals. And so that is another and 
<laughs> I'll, you'll have to stop me on this one. But that's another training, just the money mindset and how that fits into our whole psychology and the way that we think and feel and what we value and how we feel about ourselves and how what we're focused on. So you in your world have a huge ability to be able to affect change and how people think. Kind of goes back to what you said, what we learn from two to eight. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a little bit even beyond that, we were recording a podcast earlier, and we literally talked about going back to that young you yeah. and unpacking, doing the, pain, the painful hard work yeah. of unpacking what your brain, I'll probably, I'm not my area, but maybe you'll agree, the neural pathways, all those things that were set when we were young that we don't even realize are impacting us today. Yeah. So you, you, yes, I agree. And something you said earlier, looking at it from a brain science perspective, unpacking stories and unpacking emotions, especially when you have realizations, can sometimes strengthen the pain and it's sometimes very difficult to get through. That's why I've latched on and really understood and have gone through so much training because you don't want to do more damage. It's like when you've got a scab or a wound, the more you keep picking at it, the deeper the scar is going to be. We don't want to make a scar deeper. We want to heal it. And again, we want to get a new path. So I urge people when you go and you relive stories, be very careful. Some stories don't really need to be completely relived and retold. It's how you relive them, it's how you retell them, and it's how you reprogram your brain. Because a feeling today is not actually what you felt, because you have a new set of memories, experiences today, consciously, what, and it's the memory of an event so it's actually false memories evidence today that we sometimes cloud. That's why going through an event over and over and over can sometimes really be d difficult and dangerous. I'll tell you, this is kind of a side story, but it relates, I promise. Something that I thought about going back to the money story. When I was um, five or six, I can't remember exactly. It was in like in between kindergarten and first grade. I set a little tiny clothes iron that I got for Christmas, like a little mini kid clothes iron. I set up a sign on my mailbox that I would iron people's clothes. I set up a little business. I actually put up a sign. I had my little cash box. I collected friends. We sat on the front porch. Like it was a legit little business. I sat on that porch all day and I was waiting to have my first customers on my little clothes ironing business. <laughs> and I lived at that time, uh, it was a, I grew up in Southeast Missouri and that particular street was a very low income area. Not that there's any area where a little kid ironing clothes is a real legitimate business, but <laughs> So cars would drive by all day. And I'm like, you know, come on. Finally, a car pulled up in the driveway. I was like, yes, I plugged in my clothes iron. I got ready. I was ready to like have my business. This man walks up 
I was so disappointed because he was not there. For me, he was there to see my father. So needless to say, at the end of the day, I did not have a sale and my business quickly went under that day that I put it up. Later the evening, my father was asking me about it. And he said, you know, that's a really silly thing to have done. Of course, you were not going to be successful ironing clothes. Plus, that's not what we do. We don't have businesses. You have to get a job. You have to work overtime. You have to punch a time clock. And you're a girl. You're not going to be able to have a business. I was really heartbroken. And I was a very gregarious young. I loved to be creative as a child and come up with things like ironing clothes for a business. I even tried to start a flea market in my shed. I was very wanted to think differently. That was one event that really deep set, set a money mindset and the ability to not believe that I had value or worth as a female in the business world. That was a small little thing. My father didn't mean it. The intention wasn't, you can't do it, you're a failure, you're a woman. He didn't intend on it being that way. He only knew the lens that he knew, which was in our area, very few people made it out had businesses successful. If you did have successful businesses, you were rich, you were a crook, you had money that it was handed down to you. So there was a lot of programming that my father had, all of my family had, and now I was getting certain programming. So the reason I'm telling you this is 10 different lessons here. Number one, I was taught what I was taught. I saw what I saw. And even though I had a belief somewhere inside of me, the patterns and what I heard, and then what I felt and believed from what I heard retrained even the deepest intuitive part of me that wanted to be different. I learned a lot about my self worth from that. And I didn't, I didn't remember that story for years until I started really understanding my brain. And I've told that story in so many different ways, and I never really fully understood how it affected and deep-seated my brain until I saw it for what it was, and I saw it for what I felt. I never went back and really processed how I felt, but when I started processing how I felt, I had a trained neuro coach walk me through that to train me how to think differently. Because what happens is your body can start putting itself back in an event. And so your body can relive something, your body can rethink and feel something. And so what happens is your brain thinks it's happening right now. It doesn't, your brain doesn't know past, present or future. That's why visualization is huge. So I'll make this, I'll cut this short because I'm digressing. The point is you have to be very careful because certain memories, even though 
my my conscious brain has a different memory set that feeling that comes up for me in certain events my brain can think it's real and if i'm processing it through all these different lenses i'm actually recreating pathways that strengthen the trauma and strengthen the belief that those feelings created in those moments now that the story i just gave you is a very simple story but has a big impact there's much more impactful, bigger stories that people go through. So imagine the scars that it leaves. Right, yeah, you, they talk a lot about visual, visualization and, mm -hmm. and saying, okay, what do I want and visual, visualize myself there today or what mm -hmm. will that feel like? Mm -hmm. Very powerful and it works. You manifest energy and people mm -hmm. to come back to you. Haven't really thought about, be careful of going back then and reliving those moments because you know think about a traumatic event and you can feel like your body almost just mm -hmm. the the heat and it can be because it doesn't know it doesn't know that's that's why i brought up earlier about the movie it's the same experience when your brain is so connected to something it doesn't know if it's past present or future if it's real or not an imaginary i can tell you a story right now M make up a story that can make you scared your brain can think something's really happening so visualization yes the reason visualization works is because if you can really create a state of feeling it now let me unpack when I said be careful going back through past memories, 100% be careful. But you have the power to change the way you see it once you start collecting facts and data around that event. So let me go back to my little story of a five-year-old on my porch with a clothes iron. I thought I wa it wasn't worthy. I thought money was bad. I thought people who had money w were bad. Um, I wasn't going to ever have a business. These are the, the, the stories that I was taught, but what are the facts? The facts was I displayed a creative, innovative business. Wrong market, wrong time. Sure, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's do a market analysis. Not gonna work. But that's not the point. What did I learn? I learned to put myself out there. I learned to try. I learned to fail. I also learned that I couldn't go to my father for support. So when I can separate fact and separate how I feel about it, now I can recreate a different memory bank. So if it really starts triggering me and really starts putting that pit in my stomach where I feel just defeated or deflated or scared or sad, I can completely recreate that entire event. I could have, my imagination could have taken over and I could have pretended, this is why children pretend and go into play, is because it feels so good and it it actually does go to different networks in the brain but i can recreate all the events in that day whether they happened or not and create a different set of feelings attached to it to empower me 
I could say I had so many people lined up that I created a circus out of it. And it became this huge block party. And it was all started because I had this cute little idea. And I felt so empowered. And I had fun and friends. And it doesn't matter if it happened or not. If I create different attachments to it and memory feelings to it, now I can empower myself to think and feel the way I want to. That's part of really reconditioning the way we think and feel. Yeah, I, I, I've never quite understood people say, go back to a, a, a tough memory and change those attachments, change the story. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm so literal. Mm -hmm. Like, well, it was what it was. Why? Right. How can I change this? How can I make a bad memory into something good? Yeah. Um, but maybe it is a little bit of visualizing something a little bit different, but then also you know, coming back and saying, the, the, here are the facts, they are what they are. I felt what I felt, but I'm no longer tied to that issue, person. I have the ability to change or make different decisions. Yeah, and it's, and it, you're right, because it took me a long time to get past, this is actually what happened though. These are the facts. I did feel this way. It takes a lot of confidence to say, it's okay to let go of the facts as you see them. That's even the point. You recreate the facts. It's, it's all about the lens. You see, the lens I look through now are completely different than the lens I looked through when I was a five-year-old little girl, or 10, or 15, or 20. Because once you learn something and once you see things differently, it is perspective, but it's all the values. It's the filters that you put things through. So even from the analytical side, if you say, yes, but these were <laughs> actually the facts, it doesn't matter. That, those events don't really matter to the filter that you run things through now. How do you really want to be? The point is not to get stuck in the past. The point, this stuff really doesn't have to be heavy. And maybe I'm leaning on this a little bit on the heavy side. It doesn't have to be. That's the point. We want to free ourselves, free our minds, free our brains to be fulfilled and to be in the present moment. We're here right now. And sometimes we have to recreate things to allow ourselves to release that freedom to be here right now. So I can enjoy the moments coming up. So I can say, these are the things I want. These are my goals. This is who I want to be. Because I believe who you want to be is what's going to get you there. And there's a some different philosophy on people's why and people's who, who will get you go, who, why will get you going, who will keep you going when it's hard. So the more you develop these skills, that's why it's so important to understand these emotional intelligence skills, just being human. We're deeply human. Let's act like it because that helps us connect. That helps you connect to your clients. That helps you be more present for them. That helps you enjoy your kids, your family, everybody you come in contact with. That's what it's about. And, you know, acknowledging that in someone else, they're human too. Maybe that's one good thing 
that came out of COVID is we started seeing people in different roles, their kids coming on the Zoom or mm -hmm. whatever it might be that we need to not only, sometimes it's, well, I don't know what's easier to see the human in somebody else before we can see it in ourselves or vice versa, but yeah, seeing that humanness in ourselves and others. And is that, you have the, I love this name, Go Reflect Yourself podcast. Mm -hmm. Did that come out of this kind of reflecting upon, but, but, reflecting on yourself and past in order to free yourself yeah it's so <laughs> one of one of the stories i tell as a young corporate employee i i i called it sad sad i was stressed i was anxious i was depressed but i was a high achiever and i did well but i couldn't figure out this is hard like this sucks i'm doing well I have, quote, this white picket fence life. If you look from the outside in, why am I so miserable? Adulthood's supposed to be fun and easy. And I was so confused because it wasn't. And what I realized was I blamed everyone else. I blamed my parents. I blamed my spouse at the time. I blamed my boss, my job, my dog if I needed to. Whoever I needed to blame, I blamed. And the reason I'm saying that is because it's the truth. I, if, if all these other people could be and do and act the way I wanted them to, it would make my life so much easier. <laughs> and I had great reasons to want to blame them. I had great reasons to be angry at my parents. I had great reasons to be angry at my spouse at the time and my boss, of course. But what I was doing is playing into being the victim instead of taking accountability for the way I thought and how I processed all of these events. That's the point, because we cannot control anyone else but ourselves. Yes, my past is my past. No, as children, we have no control, but there's a point where you do have power and control. And once you connect to yourself, take your, it's your power, take it back took me a long time to fully understand what that really meant but I played the victim because that's all I knew I didn't I couldn't see it any other way I couldn't understand why I was so miserable because all of these events and things happened to me I couldn't control them but I could control myself and that's why I had to really understand my own emotions. Because again, I was taught not to have emotions. So go reflect yourself is, it's like, hey, in order to really connect with the world, in order to really grow, you have to connect with yourself. You have to understand your own emotions, managing them, having the awareness. And then you can start to understand other people and help manage other people's emotions against your own. I'm never going to be able to control anyone or anything else but myself. That's the point. And that's what we're not taught. We're not taught true personal accountability. People, I, oh, I can't tell you how many clients come to me and they're like, my boss did this. I'm not getting this raise. You know, this leader did that. I'm like, that's great. But what are you doing? What, how, are you, how are you showing up? How do you feel? Then how do you process all of these other things, all these other stressors? So again, it goes back to mindfulness, being present, but it's a lot of skills. We are not taught these things. 
So in those moments, I'm sure a lot of people are relating to what you just threw out there. You know, the blaming the others, my boss did this, my spouse did this, my kids, whatever. And I mean, I know I've been there, right? How do we, if somebody comes to you and brings that, what would you coach them through? Okay, you didn't get the promotion or your boss didn't give you a raise. What would you say to them? Well, did you ask for it or did you do the work to prove it? Or how would you coach somebody through that? Yeah, so it's... it first starts with how you feel right now. How are you feeling right now? Hmm. Looking at, there's a difference between not getting what you want and circumstances out of your control versus what you can put in your power. So the truth is, is when people start seeing things differently and seeing, you know what, maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm not really my best self. I think I'm my best self, but maybe I'm actually not. It's how do we really see things? How are we really showing up? So let's start with how we feel right now and get get over that, process that. If you're angry you didn't get your promotion, let's work through that first. And then let's really look at the lens. Let's really look at how are you showing up every day? What are you doing every day? How are you balancing? How are you managing? Maybe there are things truly out of your control, but now let's work on the steps we need to take to achieve that goal. Everything comes back to mindfulness, but when you go reflect yourself and (laughs) when you really take responsibility and look at your actions in situations and scenarios, it's not about should'ves. I don't believe in shoulding all over yourself. I believe in having honest, compassionate conversations with yourself and others. Because if it's if when people and most people do this, play the victim, you're defensive and you approach things from that victim and you're ready to fight everything's a war it's coming into a conversation already kind of ready to to lose because you're not putting every perspective on the table and when you can see things different understand how to manage yourself how to take accountability then you can work through things. And then you can really make real outlines and uh, steps towards what that goal might be. I think of my my own family and, you know, and just different situations where it's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm an angry person or I, I didn't get this, do as well in business as I could have because when I grew up, you know, it was an angry household. That's coming into this defensive and blaming versus, okay, I'm now, I'm 45. I, I have the choice. I can make a change. I can live in the past and continue to be that victim. Or I can say it is what it is. Now, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to learn? Am I going to get a coach? Am I going to open myself up to be the person I want to be? And who is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't see what you don't see. And you, you're not an angry 
person, you've taught been taught angry habits and patterns. And so again, it's it's all self-awareness. That is the foundation for everything in every situation. Even the most emotionally intelligent people need to be checked and say, what how am I thinking or feeling right now? How am I participating in this conversation? How am I participating? Where's my mind? Am I here, but I'm really thinking about something else? Because that's how we're trained. And so it's, yes, what can I put into place to help me move forward and grow? But you have to see it first. You have to truly take accountability first. And again, it's not about saying, oh my gosh, I've done all this wrong or I'm bad or it's not about that. I don't believe in failing. I believe in opportunities to learn because we go through what we need to go through. When I look back on my career changes, the, the, the marriage that I had, when I look back on all these big events in my life, hindsight's everything. If I knew then what I know now, my life would have been completely different. But so would I. I needed to go through the things I needed to go through to be right here right now today, to be who I am right now. And that's going to continue. So that's where we also rob ourselves of joy and being truly in the moment is being stuck on, oh my gosh, I should have done this or oh, so wish I hadn't done that. Well, you did. And those were the opportunities and the reasons that you needed to see things. And you know, call them choices and beliefs and choices after the fact, but it's it's about taking accountability and being present right now today. Let's move forward and let's put the skills and tools in place. And that's what I do. A lot of the, my time is spent in organizations, teams, individuals, coaching, saying, okay, this is really where you want to go. This is why you think the way you do. This is how you approach things. We're going to put the the skills and tools in place for you to get there. And it's most of the time, it's just really self-management, self-awareness, and then developing the skills when things don't go our way. Which, you know, you think about kind of finding that, getting help, the self-awareness. There's so many things that we readily get help with. The lawn, you know, house cleaning, you take your car to get the oil changed, whatever. Maybe even a physical, personal trainer like we talked about, but there's so many things that we readily get help with. So we shouldn't, we should be open to, should, I shouldn't say should. <laughs> it, it may be better for us, <laughs> retraining the neural pathways as we speak, be better for us to be open to getting a coach or someone who can help us see blind spots, hold us to be accountable, help us, help challenge maybe thoughts to become better yeah it's it's the gap where's you know where is that gap october's mental health awareness month last tuesday was mental health awareness day and even for myself talking about mental health i shied away from talking about that for years i grew up as a very anxious depressed adolescent I was kind of taught to be in the environment I grew up in. As a young adult, I struggled significantly. I've mentioned various things, but to say I had a mental health issue, I would never have said that. 
But if I have a broken arm or a broken leg, you're going to ask me about it and I'm going to tell you about it. But if I have anything psychologically that's happening, we're embarrassed. We're, we feel something's wrong with us. It's such a stigma that's been created that's getting better, but it's still a difficult conversation to have. Again, we are deeply human. Every single one of us and the people who say they haven't had any struggle or issue with mental health, they're just lying. They might be lying to themselves because again, we're humans with emotions. So it's difficult to ask for help with things that people don't see. But our brains, the way we think, affects every single thing we do all day long, every interaction, every relationship that we have, every deal we're trying to close, every person we're trying to buy our product, every, you name it, we have interactions. And so if we want to be better in our relationships, in our jobs, just be better for ourselves, just to feel better, just to have more joy, just to have more fulfillment, every single person can use a mental health coach. It, they may not be a neuroperformance coach like me, just someone, a life coaches are great, just to help guide accountability perspective and to hold space and say, I see you, you're an extraordinary human being. And I give you permission to be that human being while challenging you to be better because we all, that's what we're striving for. And so, yeah, we can't see, but if, but we see the result. Who we are today, sitting here right now, is who we've been. Our actions, our decisions led us to be right here today. So if we want to be someplace different <laughs> tomorrow, or a year from now, or five years from now, we've got to start training ourselves to become that person. So when I'm sitting on my island that I really, really want to have, I have to become the person I need to be. Or if I want to speak on all these stages, I want to do all these things, I want to affect all these millions of people, every single day I have to do something to be better to become that person. And we need help, we all need help. Well, it's, to me, you know, the brain is your the control center yeah. and your biggest muscle and to not recognize and continue to work it and grow it and develop it it's like you you said earlier you pick one muscle out on your body and you're just yeah. working that we need to work all of the muscles yeah. something i when we kind of talked about the idea of this podcast what we might talk about and we never know where it's going to go but i underlined and underlined and underlined your mission is to help the world the world be a more compassionate and mindful place so starting with the thoughts one at a time and that really leads to some of the things that you're doing today and something i think we've talked about you within probably the last couple years maybe not even that long have had a shift with all of the the presentations and the coaching that you're doing but shifting it into this more um kind of rock star mindset and how you do that i mean talk about you know where you're at today and where it's going and <laughs> how you're approaching really the compassion and helping people with the mind and the emotions and the whole being yeah so 
who doesn't want to be a rock star, right? Well, the commercial from the Super Bowls, I love <laughs> yes. this, you know, where they come in and they're like, you're a rock. And, you know, one of the rock stars, Billy Idol, whoever comes in is like, you know, you can't call yourself a rock star unless you've tossed a hotel room or something. <laughs> but I think we can. I think we're all rock stars in our own way and our own passion and specialty. That's the that's the thing. And we, we can kind of relate to that because it, it, it it's sexy and exciting and but to really develop that we all have that ability within us to really develop what what that is for us um and i've been very fortunate to collaborate uh with an amazing speaker and real live rock star and well, how'd you how'd you guys even meet i mean it was by accident right which uh, that's what i love about stories and how life changes yeah it was by accident. You were both speaking at a place and you heard each other. Yeah, very organically. So um, uh, world-class speaker and drummer Mark Schulman was giving a keynote at an organization. He was the opening keynote and I was the closing keynote. And so I didn't, I had never met him or knew even what his speech was. Um, and when I got asked to give the closing keynote, they said, hey, this, you know, Pink's drummer is going to be giving the opening. So I made sure I was there early enough to, to see him. And sitting in the audience, my first thought was, this is not at all what I expected. Uh, you don't really know what to expect. You see this drum set on stage, and then you see this super high energy, amazing guy come out and give this brilliant keynote and I was really moved and then I was angry and then I was embarrassed because our content was very similar and that's what blew me away I mean even some of the stories he told and the the lessons and points from those stories the takeaways I'm like those are mine how am I supposed to speak the next day and give a totally different perspective. Um, and I met him, and that's exactly what I said. I'm, I, I actually said I'm very inspired because I really do talk about the same things. And uh, so long story short, we ended up becoming um, very, very close. And once we realized the parallel and the similarities we decided what an amazing, unique combination having this rock star guy. His main keynote is hacking the rock star attitude, and he approaches everything by really understanding how your attitude affects everything. And so it's like, let's combine hacking the rock star attitude with brain science, and we developed hacking the rock star brain. Because like you already said, that's where it all starts. It's how you think. It's what how you're treating your brain to really tap in to that inner rock star. So we've now developed that's um, the collaboration keynote that we have together. And it's been massively wildly successful and we're really excited. And from that we've created the Rockstar Performance Academy that organizations, teams, and entrepreneurs and professionals can join to get micro lessons. Because that's the other thing I didn't talk about, the brain. So let me ask you this, when you, when you digest and you think back 
on a conversation or even a speech you hear or something, do you remember every single word you hear of that speech or conversation? Absolutely not, which is why I'm such a huge, <laughs> my OCD, whatever, A plus brain, I have to take a lot of notes because there's so much good content, but yeah. I know it will just, it'll be yeah. gone. It's because your brain can't. It's not you, it's your brain. <laughs> it cannot, it only retains in chunks. Because think about all the things your brain is doing right now. You see everything around you right now. You're looking at me, but you see everything your brain does. You hear it, you see it, you smell it. Your brain, it's remember, its core is to survive. So it's constantly scanning. You have all these networks taking in information from your eyes, from your ears, from all your senses. Your brain learns in chunks. Your brain can only retain about 10 words or less in small chunks and i just slowed down my speech and you probably can repeat what i just said yeah your brain can only take in about 10 words and yes so that's why the rockstar performance academy we have what we call micro lessons 10 minutes or less micro lessons that give it, it's a playbook it gives the principal all you need to know and it gives you action because your brain learns by taking action. We can study all day long, but until we actually do something, we don't make change. So to answer your question, that's I'm so excited to have the opportunity to collaborate and create this because it's the best of both worlds. You get the brain jam between um, understanding rock star performance which we all want to tap into. We all want to show up and be our best rock star performing selves. Even people who never ever thought about being a rock star, you want to be your best self. So we're very excited to collaborate on that, bring the Rockstar Performance Academy, the Hacking the Rockstar Brain, and to continue to grow and develop organizations, teams, and people all over the world because it does start with one mind and one thought at a time. Yeah. I think about something else you had written here and you talked about already. Most of us are living in this frantic mode and our brains are all over the place. Yeah. If we start out, pick up the phone, it's, it's going there. So if we could take some time to meditate, if we can slow down, if we can be intentional. So going from that frantic to the focus mm -hmm. to where I don't know, I think about like a, I'm sure a rock star or, or a professional athlete, they have practiced the little things over and over and over. Mm -hmm. So when they're in the moment present, it's just their body knows what mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. and they can be present in the moment versus, you know, having, okay, when I go to kick the ball or I go to hit the ball, I've got to remember elbow up, this and it's probably changed. <laughs> that was what I learned 20, 30 years ago. Uh, I've got to remember all these little pieces. Instead, it's learning, training, all that. So when you are there, you're, you're in it going through the motions, not wasting that energy on those other things. Yeah, and absolutely. So it's understanding how to frame that. Frame yourself for success. So going from frantic to focused takes training. It takes small, repetitive, bite size, I call them nano nuggets of learning to retrain that brain. So that way, when you do need to go down a new pathway that's scary, that 
has thorns and it hurts <laughs> and it's painful, your brain doesn't completely freak out on you. Because think about it like this too. When you drive home every day and you take the same path, you don't really think about it. You totally check out. Your brain's paying attention, but it knows that path so well, you don't really have to pay attention. But if you take a detour, if there's a detour for some reason, you're really paying attention. And you're probably even frustrated because you're not going down your same path. You're like, no, that's my route. So your brain is constantly, it likes to be comfortable. It likes what's familiar. So that's why small bite-sized chunks, nano nuggets, micro learning, and to your point, those small repetitive things makes a big difference of adding up to success. So you can be your best performing self, but it does take time. You're not going to untrain years and years and years of, I don't even want to say bad habits, just habits, just things, ways of being, ways of thinking, ways of doing things. It does take small repetitive moments. And it's, as you said, and I, I think about this all the time, I'm 45, I'll be 46 soon what we knew 30 years ago, 40 years ago when I was a child, and what we know now, vastly different. So not necessarily that those were bad ways, they were ways. Yeah. And that's what do, you know, do the best that you can with what you know in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so kind of detaching that, that how you've assigned value to that situation, it was a way. I now know mm -hmm. better, or I'm going to take the opportunity to work with people to know better, mm -hmm. and I'll do better and be better and move forward from there, which I didn't intend this, but what are all the ways that you're working with people, companies, speaking, coaching? If I were sitting here, I think, oh, wow, Heather's great. I love everything she's talking about, but who does she help? And would that be me? And how would I reach out to her? Yeah. So. The, the short answer is anyone who wants to be better. I mean, that's really the truth. But I focus on uh, professionals, teams, organizations, uh, entrepreneurs, and business owners who really do want to go from frantic to focus, but really are ready to quit struggling and get off that hamster wheel. So in teams, it's all about really being a cohesive, high-performing team, starting with the individuals in those teams. So I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, I do group and team coaching, and obviously speaking, um, and that's the goal, is to say, hey, let's help you be the high performer you wanna be, help you with new tools, better tools, quicker tools, more efficient tools, and really, create this toolkit for you to get you where you want to be and i i love where you'd gone with it really goes back to we don't want to stay surface level and you know what's the did you do that form that spreadsheet or the document right really who are you what are the what are your emotions what are your triggers mm -hmm. what are your passions and how do we do that with everybody on the team to build a better stronger team that you couldn't possibly do mm -hmm. without getting deep into really what motivates us and drives us in every day and every moment. That's that's the key. And, you know, beating boredom, too. I mean, be, certain, 
I work with a lot of accountants, actually. Uh, not a big <laughs> surprise. But understanding that monotonous, when you aren't able to tap into your true human creativity, you get stressed just because your brain gets bored. And those tasks can be high stress tasks. But it's how can you how can you set yourself up every day for success? And that is different for everyone. Success is defined differently for everyone. For some people, it's a dollar amount is what's most important. For other people, it's just to have less stress, more time with their family, to be more present, to really, really be there at moments. But the the patterns and the goals are the same. The 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 outline, the tools are the same. It's what can you do? Brain health is important. Brain health is crucial to all of these things. But again, it's about the tools and it's tapping into you. What jazzes you? What drives you? And let's promote that and let's work with that while we're also untraining some of these habits that don't serve you any longer. You can let those go. I imagine when you work with someone or a team and you go in and you help facilitate and see that transformation it's probably an amazing uplifting experience are there any that stick out to you where either you were surprised with how well it worked or you weren't like what was one of your proudest moments i have a lot and i'm sure there are moments i don't know about you don't know what people don't share and I'm honored that that happens. But two events stick out for me. One in particular was a group that I coached a few years ago, and it was a sales team. And the manager just was in a very typical, um, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> she, she just didn't want to change. The way they, you know, this is how we've done it. It's always worked. And I challenged her. I said, I tell you what, let me work with your team. I don't even have to work with you. You don't have to even see my face. Just let me work with your team for a certain amount of time. And, um, you know, let's give it a quarter. Let's see how your results go. And if you're not happy, then that's fine. I'll go about my business and we'll part ways. So I had her go through her process for the first quarter. So let's create a baseline. You do things the way you've always done it. The next quarter I came in, I worked with her team. Their sales increased 40% that second quarter that I worked with them. And I sat down with her and I, I was very polite, even though I wanted to be smug. My ego, I'll be very honest, my ego was like, told ya. But it wasn't about that. I got to the core of the individual. What the difference was is I didn't focus on what they were doing wrong. I didn't focus on the tasks. I focused on the individual and helped them restructure their stress. That team was so unorganized and they had so much stress because it's a sales team, which is very common. What I was able to do is take each individual, give them their own set of tools where they were more productive individually, which meant they were more productive as a team. I got a two-year contract out of that because she finally saw for herself a different way working with individuals can actually promote change. Another, I need to, to 
have another success story because it's really, really good. A small business owner who was mega smart. This woman is a, a very intelligent woman. And she has had a lifelong mental illness battle. And as a small business owner, it's very stressful to deal with your own mental challenges. And she's she came to me very honest. I've worked with her for seven years now. And she just had a week long event where she had to deal with some pretty stressful situations with other business owners. And she handled it with such grace and came out of that week so productive that her old self, it would have been bad. It would have been debilitating for her. And it probably would have had some very negative effects on her business. I've seen her business swing just as she's learned and developed. My point is she she sent me a note and she said she got complimented from other business owners how well she handled some of the difficult situations during that week. And she said, it's all because of the skills that I've learned about myself and how to manage and deal with people. And she really had to tap into her own power and confidence to be able to balance those things. I credit her tremendously for having the courage to believe in herself and to use the tools that she had that she developed. I don't take any of that credit. I'm just honored to have been part of that journey for her. Those are success stories, totally opposite ends of the spectrum, but really mean a lot to me. Yeah. Wow, those are good ones. I mean, there, there's all things that we can all learn, and this is going to be a hard one we, when we do end up releasing this. Maybe like, which points do I <laughs> include or not include or, or save for people to listen to? Thinking about how people can best find you for the various things. Again, it's companies, teams and companies, mm -hmm. individuals, small business owners, um, places, whether it's organizations or businesses that need speakers have I captured or who would the people be if they're listening saying oh I'm that right fit I would be one that would reach out to Heather yeah so right now for our speeches obviously any organizers who are looking for an amazing unique keynote for an event a conference a sales kickoff even small uh, retreats for leaders or even small retreats that that would be obviously a great thing to talk about um, any learning and development that really any sales teams that really want to increase their performance any leader who is in an organization or not if you're a, a professional if you're an entrepreneur that just really knows that you want your performance to be better that you want to continue having accountability and tools to help you with all of these concepts and more then we have something for you yeah you talked about talking with accountants i was listening to something the other day where it's like we can teach an accountant all day right how to you know do the software systems go in and audit a company do a tax return but we and we promote based on their individual technical success 
but we then say okay now you're a leader be successful mm -hmm. we weren't taught how to be a leader yeah. those firms or wherever aren't teaching you they're teaching you the thing to make the biz the money that they see making the money in that business they're not then teaching you to be a leader and there's so much room for whether it's leaders or people who think they might want to become a leader yeah getting that coaching and that mindset early on so once you finally get that opportunity you can run with it like yeah. a rock star yeah that's it and be prepared and and so much of that is really what I call difficult conversations. It's really, again, if you think about most conversations people complain about, or most things people complain about during the day are encounters they have with other people. And so to unpack all of that takes I have a, a process I take people through. It's a framework because it doesn't just start with, well, let's complain about everything, <laughs> you know, but it's really difficult conversations. And so one of the workshops I have is called Compassionate Collaborative Communication. And it starts with developing some building blocks here, again, starting with go going and reflecting yourself it's it's starting with the self-awareness but compassionate collaborative communication can really make a lot of difference with leaders with other organizations with teams and there's another story and I, I won't get too much into the story right now just for the sake of time but I think about some of the difficult situations I've had in my career seriously difficult um life the threat potentially life threatening situations that i've even been in as a young corporate person and again i blamed the situation i blamed my boss i blamed how i was treated and i have validity for that but the truth is those people those leaders who were there to support me um lacked a significant amount of skills and they don't really you don't know what you don't know but to mm -hmm. handle things in handle things that have an emotional impact people just don't i don't want to say they don't know how to it's very difficult to so difficult conversations um handling yourself with compassion knowing how to handle other people with compassion those are things we work on a lot and again these are all building blocks and a yes, it does come back to the brain. Because if you do something that offends me, if I do something that offends you, you're not really going to think about how to respond to me, you're going to react, because your brain's going to get triggered, you're going to be scared, you're gonna be mad, whatever emotion, and instead of responding, you're going to react. That's a human and natural human reaction it's a human response to do that that takes a lot of training to learn what i call the power of the pause the power of the pause is one of the biggest tools to just give your brain time and space to kind of cool off a little bit your brain actually goes offline when you have an emotional event that triggers it and you have to give your brain time to come back online to make a conscious decision, but to really make a decision that's responding in a way that's positive, responding in a way that is compassionate to yourself and to other people. And that's a big tool that most of us are not taught.
because again we we need to understand the basics of how our brain is operating and to know when to feel like you know what right now i just can't i'm unable i just need a minute i'm feeling angry i'm i'm feeling confused i'm feeling conflicted just to do that and to give a 90 second time lapse for your brain to get back online creates an incredible gift you're giving yourself and other people so you can have again a human conversation because hurting people really hurts yourself it hurts a team and that creates a culture where you don't have psychological safety when people aren't don't feel safe showing up to share or to show up to be vulnerable you lose innovation you lose trust you lose the ability for people to really perform at their best selves that's costly that's costly to the bottom line it's costly to developing relationships that matter so this isn't just soft skills that are nice to have these are necessary skills to create business growth that's why this is important and we could do a whole another hour and a half on that uh, this is also something that it's not a one and done right i don't talk to somebody one time i don't take one 10 minute course 30 minute course mm -hmm. and i'm going to understand it all be able to do it all in every situation this is you mentioned earlier yeah. retraining retraining practicing 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 and you know knowing that there are going to be it's not going to be perfect out of the gate and yeah that's okay it's understandable but don't stop coming up to the plate to take that hit mm -hmm. keep on coming yeah so places exactly. to find you heatherjcrider.com mm -hmm. you're also on instagram linkedin there's frantic to focused 30 minute brain boosters overbooked uh, there's probably so many different ways <laughs> to find you but w what are the best ways yeah i'm super easy heather j Kreider. all my all my handles instagram linkedin everything heatherjkreider.com that's the simplest yes and uh if you want a little fun and uh, rock in your life <laughs> consider some of the uh rock star presentations and training your your brain both from attitude and brain how absolutely. to train yourself like a rock star absolutely that's what it's all about this was a rock star i think a rock star <laughs> time together so thank you for sharing and coming in and being so open and vulnerable i know i've learned a lot and i'm sure there's going to be a lot of nuggets out there that those who listen will learn and you know hopefully contact you for the help that they might need i love it my pleasure so much fun Cynthia. thank you heather thank you this concludes another episode of the she lift project podcast to hear more episodes of the show subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to learn more about our mission of helping women reach higher levels of success visit sheliftproject.com and sign up to receive the latest news ebooks videos and more